Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja, Three Protectors, and Animals. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders of Melisanda, and Paradise Hills. Yeah, you're, look at that. Two, two human beings, six comic books, and only growing. And only growing. And We're, so little time. <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are walking comic libraries in the making and we are also walking beer lovers and so what do you have there what do you have there well i actually have i have something that i got from ed uh the writer of my comics uh while we were hanging out at comic book hideout yeah yeah he came by he brought us both some beverages so that was very nice of him um so this is the schneider wise um g schneider and Sean, original German Hefweizen ale, um, and it is 5.4 ABV, and it's a pint. I'm having a good old pint. Okay. So, yeah, man. All right. I am also having a pint, but I am having some sort of dark magic. Um, in fact, the something I find interesting about the label itself is it's shiny black on matte black label. So it is kind of magic because you have to turn it and then read it. Because otherwise, you're not going to see it at all. So this is, um, it looks yeah, it like, looks it's like the Death Blow cover from Image Comics yes. back in the 90s. Yeah, the black on yeah. black cover, yeah. Black on black. Great callback there. So this is a collaboration. Uh, I got this through Tavor a while ago, in fact. I, I forgot I even had it. And then I was showing my uh, beer cellar. You know, I, I have one of those portable, like, wine cellars that I age my stouts in. And that, and that my wife stores uh, the wine that everyone gives her that she never drinks. So sometimes I have to tell her like, hey, can we like prune some of this wine or something and, and give it to people? Because you don't drink it. Um, anyway, Transient Artisan Ales and Magnanimous Brewing have created this thing called, I think it's called Kamigoy. And it says, come to God. Maybe that's what it means. 2023. And this is Buffalo Trace Bourbon oh, Barrel shit. Aged Imperial Stout with Vanilla Beans. What? So, you take the imperial stout with vanilla beans in it and you put that thing in not just bourbon barrels buffalo trace bourbon barrels i've been wanting to try buffalo trace i hear nothing but good things about it yeah buffalo trace is it's it's one of the hacks i believe because it's pretty cheap for a bottle of bourbon as far as bourbon goes and it's made i think either by the same people or in the same place or using the same recipe or all three of those things as the legendary pappy van winkle if i remember right so Mm. there are a few bourbons made in the same either building or complex and buffalo trace is one of them so you know bourbon drinkers know that that's just a good thing to add to your rotation it it's a it's an awesome taste that belies its price and anyway, so I'm, I'm going to get going on this. Oh, I forgot to mention, it's a pint, 12.3%. Holy crap. More I'm, than double what I'm drinking. More than double. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a free agent for the evening. My wife is at, uh, at practice, the thing she always goes to. So we're talking about practice, and I'm talking <laughs> about the game. Because the game is 
drinking a high gravity beer and I'm going to win that game tonight. So uh, with that, I'm going to get to sipping on this thing and you can tell me about the actually maybe we should both talk about the first thing we did this week. Yeah, which was the yeah. uh, the pop up at Comic Book Hideout. So why don't you get things going and then I'll chime in as necessary. Yeah, Comic Book Hideout is uh, Keith's normal weekly spot. That is his comic book store. It's LCS, right? Local yeah. comic store, right? LCS. Um, so that's Keith's local comic store, and he set this up, actually. And it was a great day, man. Like, I really couldn't have been more happy with it. It was something that I had very low expectations for. Just you never know when you're doing these in-store, quote-unquote, signings, you know, like in-store pop-up things, um, if anything is going to happen. Because people are coming in there more more than likely just to grab their normal pulls and maybe look around or something like that. So you don't really expect a lot of volume there, or at least I don't. Um, I keep my expectations low. So the hope was, you know, hey, hopefully I make 40 bucks, make the gas from San Diego to L.A., you know, and, and, and be good with it. And, hey, at the end of the day, I get to hang out with my buddy, drink some beers, and talk comics. So, like, that's mm-hmm. something I'm A-OK with happening. And uh, it far exceeded my expectations. Um, it was a fantastic start. It was a hot start. I think we were setting up. We got there about like 11, 11, 15, something around there. And Keith has a pretty fast setup. I'm constantly dabbling with mine. And in the midst of setting up, uh, Keith was already done by 1130. I was more like I was 75% there. And we just had a line of people waiting mm-hmm. to come see our wares, come check out our wares. And we also got lucky in the sense that there were supposed to be four people there to start. And there was just me and Keith. The other two guys didn't show up until like like one o'clock or something like that. So like they were like an hour, hour and a half late. And what that let us do is get all of the attention. So instead of those those people waiting in line to see us, they potentially could have went to the other guys and picked something up from them and just didn't want to wait to see what we got. Because like, hey, well, okay, well, we, we supported some indies here and, you know, we're going to go check out the rest of the store or, or whatever, right? So uh, the benefit there was we got all of the attention and uh, it was a great hot start for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've almost brought this up a few times over the last couple of weeks because I am now more than a week past the final graduation of my children's graduations graduation gauntlets. I didn't know where to put the S's there. It's like children's <laughs> graduations gauntlets. <laughs> I'm just yeah, gonna, a little tricky. Scott. I'm I'm gonna put an S everywhere and see if anyone notices. Uh, so so yeah. My I mean, it started uh, more than a month ago and it ended about a week ago. Three children, three graduations. So now I'm the proud papa of two college grads and one high school grad. Congratulations to all the girls. Awesome job by all the girls, right? Like they're they're amazing, and uh, and it was great to see. Something that I find fun is the graduations themselves. I mean, okay, look. Plenty of stuff in a graduation is not fun. And by plenty of stuff, I mean the procession where anywhere from 200 to 1,000 people parade across the stage and one of them matters to you. That part is rough. The the speaker at Eden's graduation, at the high school graduation, he was a dude who I think has a nice ranking position now and is an OSHA grad um, and they're one of the Chicago symphonies, if not the main Chicago symphony. And he had three bits of advice. Be nice. Be on time. Be prepared. Those were the three things he said. And 
I couldn't help but think of that as we were, as I was set up and ready to go at 1130 and you were 80% set up ready to go at 1130 for an event that started at 12. And, uh, you know, hey, we, we still did fine once the other two people showed up. But to your point, we had about an hour and a half, two hours there where we had the whole thing to ourselves we were we were nice to, we were nice cuz we i like to think we are nice we were on time as in early and we were prepared and as a result we had a incredible stream of people to the point where we both far exceeded our expectations by the time noon rolled around which was when the event was supposed to start so that was that was awesome i think i hit my my quota uh, i think with the first sale i think the first yeah, sale you i did. did it yeah okay and uh, so, yeah, it was just kind of like, whoa, okay, right on. Like, yeah. you know, and I think that was, was it the guy that you said he seemed not that interested in Kadoja and then ended up picking up all three? Yes. And then yeah, and, uh, and he ended yes. up grabbing. the All, all of the second uh, shift. No, right. he grabbed uh, um, the first trade. No, no. Um, he grabbed the first two trades. He was not a single issue collector, oh, so okay. he actually grabbed the first two trades and um, a, An anthology. a horror anthology. Mm, yeah, that was it. so so that was pretty okay. dope, and and I was like, right on, man, and and uh, yeah, right out the gate, it was hot, and then we had a couple of other people, um, a lot of out of towners, you know, it was like crazy, yeah, yeah, it was like I think it was two sisters, one was a mom, you know. And uh, they saw the comic store. They're like, hey, let's go check that out. Mm-hmm. And so it was just one of those things where people were in town and they just wanted to try some stuff and just see what was going on. So yeah. um, it was pretty amazing. Just three people back to back to back to back and uh, sale, sale, sale. And and yeah. I was like, right on. If we did nothing for the rest of the day, I have no complaints. And we can yeah. just hang out. We can drink these beers we bought and uh, hang out with, you know, Ed popped in. And uh, my cousin Charlotte, she stopped in too. Yes. And so, and uh, my buddy Ted, and and that's yes. somebody we actually met at the very first convention that you and I and Ed had met at. So, uh, Long Beach Comic Con, very cool. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, so for the rest of the day, we basically ended up matching the first hour over the course of the next four hours. I think I came a little shy. I mean, it more or less. That's basically what we did. So we had that really strong start, and then proceeded to double it over the course of the afternoon. And to your point, it was great. And it was interesting that a lot of people weren't locals, right? And and then there was the third family where it was a four-person family doing college tours and they were in town from mm-hmm. Washington State. And and the family was there to indulge the dad's comic habit, which was amazing, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, that was great for just, us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they just stood there and he was like, comic shop, you know? And hey, I respect that because that's the kind of thing I do when I'm uh, in, a, in a city, you know, out of town or anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah taking man, the girls was, fencing and stuff. You're like, okay, it's comic shop time. Fencing always, for you, comics for me. Always looking up stuff, always. So so anyway, so no, that thing was, uh, it, it was great. It was great, a great afternoon. And, uh, and yeah, we'll see if we can end up doing more. I mean, Comic Book Hideout is interested in doing more stuff. And like I've, like I will give a much shorter version of right now, um, I, I sort of wonder out loud if that might be a little bit of the future of comics too, with less big conventions and more pop-ups and events and things like that at the hundreds of dope comic stores around the country. Yeah, totally. And uh, a shout out to Funky for uh, hooking us up and just taking yeah. care of us, making sure everything was cool and even hooked us up with some beers. So mm-hmm. I'll be drinking that on the next week's pod. Um, yeah. I took that home. By the time he got us that those beers, I was already done for the day. I think I had mm. three 
and that was more than I wanted to do. I was going to just do two, yeah. but um, man, that peanut butter stout was calling me, so I had to finish it off, and <laughs> it took me on another level, but thank goodness uh, my cousin stuck around, and we just like went and had pizza across the street, and, and you know, so it was cool. And, yeah. Um, you know, like hanging out with Ed. Oh, needing McDonald's, right? So I was going to say, and and you also were the beneficiary of the of the great Rachel Keith McDonald's fiasco of 2023, which is, yes. uh, you know, we we obviously hadn't eaten, so my wife was like, "Hey," I asked her, "Hey, can you pick up some food for us?" So we proceeded to go back and forth, and she just kept joking with all kinds of funny stuff in the text. But you wanted a nuggets and fries. I wanted a couple double cheeseburgers. And so um, when I got the bag, you know, we were in a hurry because we had to go pick Eden up from the airport from her class trip. And there's the bag. You know, there was one bag. She was like, they only gave us one bag. I'm like, oh, okay. I look in the bag. I see, you know, I pull out my two burgers and I see the nuggets and fries. And there was a second fries there, but I didn't want a fries. So I was like, well, I guess Rachel wanted a fries. So I'll just pick out one of the fries and then leave the one for Scott. You know, I don't know. And then I gave you the bag because the fries were like all over the bottom. And I'm yeah. like, I, I don't need extra fries. I don't need those calories in my life. And then uh, we were 15 minutes on the road. And she's like, oh, hey, um, just so you know, I got myself uh, an extra cheeseburger in there to eat like on the way back. And then she's like, <laughs> you gave that bag to Scott, didn't you? And I was like, I did. I didn't know that there was a burger in there. So, uh, and then like five minutes later, you're like, dude, I think we have Rachel's burger. Yeah. The way, of course, it ended up working out to what you ended up was with my second burger. So I ate the first burger and then I was like, I was just keeping my eye on Rachel, you know, like, don't worry about it. Like, I'll, 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 I'll handle this one. I'll have the one and then you can have the other. But I kept my eye on it because I'm like, I do want that second burger. And I was just waiting. (laughs) I was just waiting. And I was kind of hungry. And if you know, like, look, we had to go from Fullerton, California to LAX and back further to drop Eden's friend off who we were taking back to their house. And then sure enough, she pulled for the second burger. And I was like, shit. (laughs) Because I I really wanted it. But I managed, you know, I I wanted it, but didn't need it. And then I ended up getting home and just having some food. But yes, we we survived that controversy, and you guys got a got a bonus double cheeseburger out of it. Yeah, Daniela was... ended up with that burger actually. Delicious yeah. McDonald's. Delicious. Look, I don't like to have McDonald's very often, but when I do, damn if it isn't delicious. So <laughs> I yeah. was I was very happy with that. I brought the uh, burger home for Daniela. She was. It was funny because she had just went out to eat with one of her friends, and it was like. A, a bidia enchilada that she brought home and okay. i brought home a cheeseburger and she's like like an hour or so later she's like i'm kind of hungry and i was like you want that cheeseburger she goes yeah i want that cheeseburger i was yeah, like yeah. i want that i want that bidia enchilada yeah oh yeah <laughs> it so see it, it allowed you to orchestrate the swap which is great yeah is yeah great. it was good so no all good all good man um so hey since that was kind of our shared first thing why don't you go ahead and go into your second thing okay and you know what um just to tack something else on i i agree with you like i can see this being the future of comics especially for me um Mm -hmm. i do like doing these pop-ups it's so much less stress you're not worried about making the table back and anything because usually if you're going to be doing these pop-ups it's like for free usually the the comic store wants to promote like artists in the local area Mm -hmm. they want to possibly bring clientele um that follows us and shows up for the event and they might 
get an get an additional customer you know that yeah, way and absolutely. you know it's just smart smart business all around and uh yeah man i'm, I'm looking forward to it and um you know the, the more we do the better i think you know just way less stress and a lot of fun for sure yeah um and so as far as my first thing goes for the week um i finished another page of paradise hills mm. so we are chugging along that's uh chugging along that's seven pages down and five more to go so uh, slowly but surely but it's getting there and um i'm feeling the groove it is very nice i'm i'm enjoying it i i sent something your way today you and gary yeah. and just looking at that page you can see how much goes into the backgrounds and so that's what's taking so long like i was drawing this one bush and it's on my instagram page and it's it's called uh uh a uh, makabu uh excuse me hold on uh, a makabuhai uh, okay. plant. Okay. Okay. And it looks like a bunch of hearts. The leaves look like hearts. Oh, so yeah. it's just a ton and ton of little hearts that I have to draw. And it took forever. And then when you zoom out, it's just this thing in the background. Yeah. But it is it is a little important for the story. It's like this little running theme that I'm going to be having through the book. So, um, you know, I wanted to make sure I put that, that detail in there. Um, but once you guys see these pages, you'll see where all the time is going for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that detail is a certain type of Easter egg. And, and this, in a way, ties back to the thing I was talking about last week, how I have this mystery inside the mystery for my my comic that I've been, you know, so excited about making the brand new one. And I think we almost give short shrift a little bit to things like backgrounds or things like these added elements of story we put in there or those kind of things. And with Dave Law a couple of weeks ago, we we talked about man, it's, you know, like it, you know the idea of taking shortcuts and doing all that stuff. But if you if you have the time, these are great places to show it's a labor of love because it is a labor of love. We got into this because we love the art form so much that we want to be part of it. So there's nothing wrong with putting that extra love in, you know, like I will have much more to say about this story once it's out in the world. And once I can start hinting at the kind of work I am putting in, but it is a labor of love. And I am putting a lot of effort into the equivalent of you drawing a shit ton of leaves that are shaped like hearts, just so it has that level of richness and enjoyment to it. So you're doing it because it's a labor of love. And I think people do appreciate that, even though they may pass over it. 90 plus percent of the people are going to read it once and never and never finish. And, and, and that's going to be it, right? But we're not you necessarily that, doing it that way. We're doing it for the people that that are going to keep it and love it and maybe go back and go like, oh, wow, that took a lot of time or whatever. Yeah. And, and you know, it, though this, this particular plant has a meaning to it, um, why it is there. And then once you read the story, you'll understand. Like if you listen to this pod and then read the story and remember the name of this plant, you'll understand why. Oh, OK, I kind of get that. And you'll see why it's why it's important that I drew it. Um, yeah. So it, this is basically an Easter egg for the Making Comics podcast crew. So if you don't know a lot about botany, you're not going to really get it too much. But if you 
you know, listen to this pod and then read the story and be like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it. So, you know, that's, that's the level of detail that, you know, movies like Pixar uh, bring to the table. Those are little things that they put background elements that you may not Mm -hmm. notice. And when people talk about it, you listen to those real tracks after or whatever, you know, like the commentary and they'll talk about the decisions that they made. You know, this is one of those things. It's just like, Hey, there's a deeper, a deeper level of, um, I don't know, detail, um, to the story, then that's just on the surface. It's just yeah. like, oh, there's more meaning to the things that are going on. And hopefully people appreciate that. And I know when I listen to those commentaries, I do, I'm like, man, yeah. that's, that's amazing that they did it. You know, watching those films, you may not notice it, but when it's pointed out to you, it, it brings like a richness to the whole thing. Yes. And, and that's, a that's what understanding that other 10% is. Because everybody who buys, reads your book in the future is valuable. But there's nothing wrong with putting some extra things in there for that 10%. Those people that want to get the maximum amount of goddamn enjoyment out of this thing. You know, that's that's what's so interesting and fun and cool about all this stuff, you know. Um, I remember my mentor used to say whenever I, you'd go into deep stuff... He'd be like, you can save that for the book tour, you know, and and I think I think but that's a great way of sort of delineating, you know, stuff you can put in there. But that doesn't mean you need to lead your conversation with it. It's like the book comes out someday and then you can talk about it in a podcast or with friends or on a book tour or things like that. And 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 that's part of the enjoyment, you know, for for me, it's the equivalent of um, something you know, to, to draw on a subject I may have touched on before about why I named the giant monsters what I named them in Kadoja, right? They're named after death metal bands. And I think what you will find, listeners out there, in making your own comics is you're going to have plenty of opportunities to just put something in there or to put something in there with meaning. The point isn't to imbue everything with meaning, okay? Like, that's... That's going to take so much work, it's going to exhaust you. But there's nothing wrong with waiting for those opportunities where you can put things in there with meaning. Me, I love metal. So if I have a chance to put heavy metal stuff in there, I'm going to do it. You know, and and then there are other things that I can put in there too. I, I shouted this out on an Instagram story a while ago that I thought was hilarious. I think it's the second issue of Kadoja, the one that just shipped to people. Um, there's a crowd scene where my artist, Tony Gregory, threw a dude in an Alonzo morning jersey in the crowd because he's a Heat fan. And, like, I love that kind of stuff, man. I think it's so funny, right? Nothing nothing wrong with putting some, like, things in there for the, for the stuff you love so people can get a little kick out of it, even if it's like, oh, he's got a person infected with the madness wearing a Miami Heat jersey. <laughs> you know, it's great. Yeah, I, I have tons of that stuff in the backgrounds of Second Shift. Like, I can't do it for Wanderers, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's on, like, another planet and everything. Um but yeah, second shift, there's tons of Easter eggs in a lot of the background. So if you actually yep. take the time to flip through, like especially that first story arc, that first five issue story arc, there's tons of Easter eggs in those, like just tons. Yeah. Like, you know, there's like Back to the Future references, Indiana Jones references, Doctor Who. There's just all these random things in there. Um, Star Wars, obviously. So um, if you have those issues out there, you guys listening, um, just flip through, look for those, look for cluttered scenes, a lot of busy backgrounds, offices, 
um, there is a a street scene. I think in issue three. I think that's where the uh, uh, DeLorean is, and Marty McFly mm. is there. You know, mm-hmm. or someone that may or may not look like Marty McFly. May or may not be Marty McFly. I wouldn't. Correct. You wouldn't dare. You wouldn't dare. No, because I don't own those characters, so I wouldn't do that. Why would you? Doesn't make any I wouldn't. sense. It's silly. That's exactly. You did. That's silly. Yeah. Much like the um, homage to the Secret Wars cover. Yeah. I did not draw the Avengers. It's not the Avengers. It's no. a couple. It's a couple people that have similar colors. They they've got the Big Mac. I've got the Big Mick. <laughs> they've got the Golden Arches. I've got the Golden Arch. See the difference. <laughs> so glow. This is McDowell's. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, Okay, so so for my uh, and that's all very cool, you know. Again, the, the the stuff you're doing and the ability to bake in those things when you when you have the opportunity, nothing wrong with that. And uh, and I think both Scott and I, since we do it, we encourage you guys to do it in the books that you're making or in the things you're making. Put put a little thing in there if you think the opportunity presents itself. So I really only have one significant thing to talk about and a few other things. And in fact, I I just was able to crank out the first half of the first scene. I am writing the new comic. I'm just going to call it the new comic. Um, So we have gone from big idea to, you know, second draft, actual, like tight, real idea to... The I'm going to call it the scene skeleton for the first issue. And and in fact, I just wrote the script to the first two pages before this podcast. Nice. But the interesting thing is to me that I, that wasn't my intent. My intent was actually to just write the page by page skeleton after which I would drill in one more time because that's the process I like doing. But what I had was was good enough to where I found myself getting so excited to write it that I was just like, fuck it, I'm writing this scene. And that's what I ended up doing. Um, had I not recorded the podcast, I probably would have just gone with the first four pages and, and went from there. But there's more to bake into this stuff than other comics. So this is one of those cases where this infamous mystery inside the mystery means that I have to take a little more care with what I'm doing and make sure that I tell the artist that certain elements absolutely need to be here. And Scott, you know this, but listeners don't know it. They will after the first issue. You know, once the first issue is is even solicited on Kickstarter, I'm going to be much more open with this because then it's like the first issue is out in the world. Why do I need to be coy about this? But the nature of the comic I'm doing means that the kind of opportunities I was just talking about are everywhere. They are everywhere. So... I, I I can choose in some places to settle for things like like Scott's drinking out of his beer bottle right now. Yeah, I am. I, I could either if, if I had a character, a scene where a character was drinking out of a beer bottle, I can either make it a person drinking out of a generic beer bottle or put meaning into that somehow. I can put shit on the T-shirt. I can put shit on the beer bottle like you can do all kinds of things. Right. So I think I'm almost paralyzed by the amount of opportunities I have because of the comic I'm doing right now and I need to you know tamper that down a little bit 
but I was excited to at least finish the first two pages. And that that ended up serving as a good, um, what do I want to call it? Like a measuring unit of time, a measured unit of time. I, I am planning on doing two pages of script a day until the script is done. So that's only 10 days. And guess what, Scott? I'm about to take a pretty long family trip. In fact, by the time this airs, you and I will have both gone on and come back from large trips slash vacations. And I'm probably, I'm hoping that when I listen back to this or when it downloads or whatever for the quality control reason of me listening back, I'll be like, hey, how about that? Fuck yeah, I finished the comic by now because it's going to be close, but I should be able to finish that comic um, you know, within basically 10 days from today and maybe a little bit more if the mood hits me. So, so it this was is exciting. a standard 22 pager. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, right I on. mean, it, it was pretty cool because I I just it, it's more of like a sense of the force, you know, that that I was I wasn't it doesn't have to be 22 pages, but. I I wrote it all out. And then I said, okay, and this is the way I always do it. I start with the scene skeleton. And then I look at the scenes. I'm, I'm like, how many pages should that be? Four pages, one page, two pages, three pages, etc. And I got to the point where it was actually 23 pages. I had eight scenes, 23 pages. But the eighth scene was essentially sort of a placeholder scene slash exact repeat of the seventh scene. So why don't I just make the seventh scene one page longer and cover every bit of ground I need to cover there. So that's what I ended up doing. So I just said seven scenes, 22 pages, and that'll be fine. So we'll see the beauty of um, 22 pages is that you can end up saying, Oh crap, I need another page or two. And it has no harm, no foul to you because it has to be 24 anyway. When that book goes to the printer, it has to be 24 pages because physical comic books have to be printed in multiples of four because of the binding process. So that means that, you know, I I like 22 as a design because then if you really need one, you're fine. And if you really even need an extra one, you're fine. So I settled on 22 pages because it feels like I can get the work done that I need to do in those 22 pages. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, usually your books are longer. Um, I don't know that... I don't know any of her books that are shorter than like what 20, 26 interior art pages, right? Like 26, um, 28, it seems well, like. Yeah, it's funny you say that, right? So, Kadoja has, okay, ever since volume two has ended of Kadoja, and I have started to pay for artists, Kadoja has actually religiously been 22 pages. Oh, okay. And if I needed a 23rd, so be it, no big deal. Or if it's 21, so be it, no big deal. Um, but to your point, the other ones are all over the place. Like Animals is 32, Three Protectors is 68, you know, Animals number two as written is 29. So yes, to your point, it's it's all over the place. But Kadoja has been the one that I always adhere to the, the 22. And we'll see how it goes with this. You know, with the with the final issue of Kadoja, which I have not written yet. Once I um, once I finish this comic that I just started, while continuing to work on the novel, then my next point of business is going to be write Kadoja number four, write the big grand finale, and I already know some things I'm going to do to prepare for that that I'm going to talk about on the podcast once I do them. 
the odds of that one being 22 are super low, right? Like yeah. I, ex- I, I expect, say, that's I expect that's either going to be, it's going to be 28, 32, 36. It'll be something around there because it's time to bring the story on home and I am out of real estate, right? So whatever needs to happen is going to happen in that final issue. So we'll see where it goes. That's awesome, man. Do you have someone lined up for this new book that you're writing? I do. Carlo. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, right on, Car- That's Carlo, gonna... Carlo already agreed to do it, actually. So I was excited about that. And that is yeah, Carlo Romero. Yeah, Carlo Romero, who has done um, he well, as of right now, the public only knows that he's done one alternative cover to Kadoja, the Symphony of Madness alternate to number two. He also did the seven page animals backup story that I'm doing exclusive to my email list. So please sign up for that on my website, keithrfoster.com, if you are interested in getting that. And uh, and yeah, he he was really happy to do this. So I'm excited to have him on board. I want to, you know, I still have to write the script, get the script editorial approved with Mike, but then hopefully I can get Carlo on it within, you know, a month, two months, something like that, as long as I work hard and um, and get the script I want to get done and then absorb whatever notes Mike's going to give me. So, yeah, man, Carlo is back at it and he's going to do this first issue for sure. Sweet. Is he doing uh, the ink, the the art and the colors? He's doing all of it. Yeah. Right on. All of it. Yeah. Cool, cool. And he'll he's um, a perfect fit for this. So again, I, okay. I can't wait to talk in detail about this comic when it's time. Right on. I know a little bit about it, so I'm actually curious to know more. Um, I have uh, roundabout details about the story, but that's kind of it. So mm-hmm. yeah, the more time goes on, I'm sure the more we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, okay, so for me, the last thing I did this week, I started sending out the rest of the package for the Kickstarters. Um, there was a small, small amount, probably like 15 or so that I still needed to mail out. And I got 13 of them out. Um, one, I, for whatever reason, did not bundle. And I was like, crap, I forgot that one. And then another one, the post office says, we can't find this address. It's not in the system. So I Google it. It is in this, it is in Google for sure. So they're like, I was like, hey, look at this, and uh, you see the same thing that I do, right? And they were like, well, but we put the first letter of the street in there, and this doesn't come up. And I'm just like, she's like, okay, well, media mail's one way. So I was like, all right, well, I'll double check with the guy and make sure this is the correct address. But according to Redfin, it it is a three- or four-bedroom house with three baths. It exists somewhere, according okay. to to Google, uh, yeah. but not according to the United States Postal Service. <laughs> the post office is like, according to our records, this person died 100 years ago. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Mystery. <laughs> and we're off. They're, their debit account still cleared it. So <laughs> <laughs> their trust has has cleared the finance for this Kickstarter. I hope this guy was just like, when I die, I still want to back random Kickstarters <laughs> around this the sixty to hundred dollar level. <laughs> and I want them sent to my house where I am buried. It's actually, it's not even a house. It's not even it's a real address. Tomb. It's like, it's, it's like, plat- it's like platform nine and three quarters. You have to run <laughs> at an actual physical, tangible address in the world. And then it delivers to my magical address. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm dealing with. But 
I did get the majority of them out. Um, I threw in, I, I don't know if you guys remember this, some episodes back, I had some error copies. My printer had messed up the covers to the variant covers. And so it was just a segment. It was like a fourth of the cover image. Mm-hmm. And so there was a decent chunk of those. I still have, I think, like 15 of them left. But I put them in random packages. And um, pretty much all of these ones, since they were the last ones to go out, I'm like, fuck it. I'll, I'll stick them in, in all of these. Yeah. And um, it just worked out. The majority of them were people that bought the second shift full-time bundle or my entire run of comics. So um, there was a couple of other ones there that I had just, I don't know, I didn't send them out. I think I ran out of the books, bookmarks, right? That was the issue was the mm-hmm. bookmarks were gone. So I threw them in those packages as well. So hopefully if you guys are listening, you got one of those. Um, if you didn't, I'm sorry. It's just kind of a random luck of the draw type of thing. Yeah. And uh, hey, maybe next time because I still have 15 of them. So I might yeah. just throw them yeah. in randomly. And as as your co-host on the Making Comics podcast, I'm thrilled to say that I got these error copies, you know, spe- oh, yeah. special executive privilege. I love them with all my heart. I tell everyone that I love them with all my heart. On one level, they're a profound fuck up. And on the other level, they're just so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, so you, cool you really do. Yeah, I you do. really seem I to do. dig them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's an idea for a future cover run. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll do like a, a, a four piece image mm-hmm. and it connects all of my books. Yep. So like, let's say, you know, like I have Second Shift, Wanderers. Um, Paradise Hills and whatever. I'll have a fourth book or something like that, a, a Drawtober special, right? I can have four, those four be interconnecting covers. So if you back all of the uh, Kickstarters, you can get one of the covers and it completes the puzzle. Might be something yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. And it, it's funny that that was your last thing because I mentioned I had this one other thing that I was going to mention and God damn it, that was mine too. It was sending out all of the Kadoja Symphony of Madness 2 packages. Boring to talk about, but not a boring thing to do. You know, it's it's fun in a warped kind of way to... Well, okay, look, it's not intrinsically fun to pack up not. a bunch of packages and send them out. But oh, what real is quick, fun... Let, let, me, jump, let yeah. me jump in real quick. Sure. I fucked up. So those packages that didn't have the metal bookmarks, and that's why I didn't send them out, I taped them up, I got them ready, and I said, oh shit... I didn't stick the bookmarks in that. <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. So I've if you that. get if you get your package and it's a little fucked up, it's because I had to rip the tape off of yeah. it and then put all of the shit, all of the uh, um, stretch coals in it and then retape it. So I apologize yeah. for that. But hey, you guys didn't back the project for the packaging. You bought it for the book. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, go I ahead. I consider myself a bit of a maestro of the of the box cutter. So what I'll do, well, I fucked that up one time and then I just did a quick slit in the tape with the box cutter and like dropped the bookmark in. And I'm like, I bet that this fit. I bet that this ended up in the right place. So people might like open it and be like, what the fuck is a bookmark doing? Like staring right at me. Yeah, that's why. Because I, I did the magic, <laughs> magic slit in the tape. Um, but anyway, so no, it, it was it was great to do because I, I think when you're preparing Kickstarters and we've talked to a fair amount you know, like we've now gotten to the point where uh, we get listeners of the Making Comics podcast that have befriended us or hit us up all the time and they have done Kickstarters of their own. And so if if you all have not sent off your stuff yet, it, it feels like a grind when you send it out. But then people get it 
And then they post photos of it arriving. And then they say, like, I, I saw a really cool note, man, from uh, from Brian Clark the other day about the Making Comics edition that he got Symphony of Madness number two with the Scott Lost cover, because, of course, the Making Comics edition. And it, it's just cool to get that vibe back. You know, I, I use the Kurt Vonnegut reference a lot that, you know, when when the protagonist of Slaughterhouse House five goes to see the um, author Kilgore Trout. And, and talk to him about his work. Kilgore Trout says, you know, I've just been sitting here making love to the world out my window and never, you know, and you don't know if anybody's ever going to respond. So when people actually give you that bit of feedback, it's the greatest thing because we sit in a quiet room and create this stuff. Yeah, I, I was seeing those messages as well. Um, and it was funny because one of the people that commented on it was, oh, it's so cool that they got the permission to use Marvel characters on this cover. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I was just like, uh, and I never you, you to had to anything. You had to, you had to correct him a little bit. Yeah. Well, Brian already really. did. Yeah. Yeah. Brian already did. Oh, that's he was right. Like, Brian actually, did. Yes. Yeah. He goes, this falls under parody, you know, and, and, you know, whatever else. And so I was like, there you go. I don't have to say anything. You know, yeah. honestly, I wasn't going to say anything either. I was just no. like, I don't like to take over other people's feeds. You know, it's yes. like if they post something I know and mean. people are commenting, it's like, I don't need to be the one commenting to them. Like the poster comments to them, you totally, know, and, totally. you know, and Brian you know, crushed I, it on that one. I was like, nope, that's he, he's got it. He's got it. So very yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so yeah, man, it's, it's, it's nice to be done with the symphony of madness number two mail out. And now we just keep on going to the next thing, man. It's great. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm still, um, yeah, again, I still have two left, but it is still June. So my deadline is end of July. So I'm really happy with the progression of this. I still have to follow up with that Kickstarter backer to make sure the address is correct. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, And then uh, mail out that other one and we're good to go. You're like, hey, I need to deliver your Kickstarter. Like, I know where you live. I'm outside your house. I'm outside your house. I, I need I need to give this to you. You know, like I see you on Zillow. Um, and actually, I do have one final backer uh, who is a mutual friend through you that did not fill out the survey yet. So I think once I have that, then I'm good to go. So let's get to our main topic. And uh, And last week, what we ended up doing with the main topic was Scott sort of announced it. But it was my main topic, so I sort of took the reins from there. So I'm going to do the same thing here to Scott, because we've had some text conversations through the week, and uh, and we think this would be a pretty interesting topic. First time we're doing this, so we're excited for it. But uh, go ahead, my man, take it away. Yeah, so we're actually going to be covering some Kickstarter comics or some creator-owned comics, indie comics. Um, and a couple of the books that we're doing are two of our listeners that are very interactive with us. Mm-hmm. Um, Chance Edgerly and Ian Walker. Yeah. So those are those are two people that contact us all the time via email or um, Instagram, Messenger, or DM, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so we know these creators. They are uh, listeners. They listen every week. They back our projects. Uh, you know, they're menches. So, and they sent us their books. You know, Ian yeah. actually sent sent me two copies one for me one for keith to my p.o box and so we got a couple physical physical copies from him and chance sent the pdf to his book to us Mm -hmm. and um i talked uh we talked to both of these creators beforehand and we made sure it was cool for us to talk about it on the air and give critiques as far as good and the bad Mm -hmm. you know and that's that's kind of what this podcast is about it's about the process of it all like we like to share with you guys our successes but as well as our failures Mm -hmm. so um and not saying 
that having things not exactly right in your comic is a failure. It's just, nope. it's, it's a learning, you know, it's, it's all about learning. Yeah. I just posted a quote. And so when this, I posted it yesterday as we record this. But when this comes out, hit me up, find my Instagram, if you're not on it already, Keith underscore Invader, and I've got this awesome quote from, oh God, it's um, Matt Fraction. And Scott, I wonder if Matt Fraction is the guy that you got the I'll do better next time quote from, because that's the quote. He he basically talks about that, like, there's nothing wrong with being self-critical, but self-flagellation is too much. And there needs to be a point where you just say, you take it easy on yourself and you say, hey, you did you did something, you got it out there, you'll do better next time. And then you move on. And so to that point, like every writer in the world, I imagine every artist in the world, but I can't speak for artists, but I know writers like Stephen King thinks he can do better next time. Okay, like these guys, like it, it never stops. Like the sales vary, but the quest for making something perfect and for thinking that you you did some shit wrong never stops. You know, one of my favorite lines from uh, from my mentor, Mark Sarvis, and I can't remember who actually said the line, but I think of him with the quote, obviously, is that some I think maybe Hemingway. It feels like it's Hemingway said Michael Scott. He he, he his definition of a novel is a book of some length that has something wrong with it. <laughs> right and it's like that's so fucking perfect right like because every novel in the world everything of create i mean I, I think things are perfect but the things i think are perfect the creator didn't because the creator sees all the blood sweat and tears the creator followed the recipe got the ingredients bought the ingredients did all that stuff right so anyway to bring this back to where we were there's nothing wrong with trying to get better. It's all in the interest of getting better. And uh, and so, yeah, to that point, and I think once we get through these notes, everybody will see that, like, we ha- there's a lot to like there. But, uh, you know, there's always something to build on, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the first project we're going to talk about, it's from Ian D. Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow him on Instagram. It is at IDWalkerArt, I-D-W-A-L-K-E-R-A-R-K so id walker art on instagram um and the book that he did is pantheon so he is selling it i believe on his website so if you go to his instagram page you can pick it up there um it's an interesting story um i'll leave the dialogue story wise um to keith but for me there was just a few issues it was you know, it's it's one of those things where you're first learning certain tools, and one of those tools was uh, Zipatones. So if you are using Zipatones or Screen Tones in your comics, make sure you do not layer them. So they create something called a Mori pattern, and that pattern, what it is, is so Zipatones are usually like very tiny dots or um, some kind of some kind of pattern throughout, um, and then when you stack them. It creates a different pattern, which is very distracting. So that was something that Ian had going on in his book. Um, He had a great establishing shot, and um, it brings you to a kind of like a citadel with one of the characters walking through a scene and, and, you know, going to this larger arena where he is talking to, you know, some higher ups and magistrates and a council and whatnot. Um, 
so I found the storytelling aspect of it, aspect of it. Um, okay, I could follow everything, um, but you know, there was just a lot of minor things that needed to be worked on. Um, you know, another issue was backgrounds. You know, this is something that a lot of artists can fall into when they're trying to get through their project. Backgrounds are not interesting. I know they're not. You guys know that I don't like doing backgrounds. I talk about it all the time on the podcast. But if you look at my books, I have a lot of backgrounds because I know they're important. I don't want to do them, but I do them because you have to understand where the characters are in the scene. So um, there was, it was a little bit of a, a little uneven, um, you know, in the beginning, like the first couple of pages, again, there was a great establishing shot. I was like, okay, I understand where they are. Um, but after that, you, you kind of lost the thread a little bit. Um, you know, and I talked to him about a lot of different things that were going on with the art as far as like being clear with your storytelling, making sure you're picking the right camera angles and um, making sure you're conveying what's going on exactly in the scene. You know, um, Keith, what's your what's your take as far as the story went? What I liked here, I, I think this world building is pretty cool. It gives me it invokes a little bit of Thor, a whole lot of Superman, and some deep thought level sci-fi. Those are the vibes I get when I read this book. No story is ever about coming with a, a fresh new idea out of the blue. It's, it's about combining those elements out there in a way that gives us something that intrigues us. And so I, I think... I think that, you know, like, there's something really cool here. And... I, I like the world building. I like the world we're in. And by the end of the first issue, I'm ready for more. I'm ready to see where this goes. Because, you know, to without giving away much, I, I'm, I'm trying to be as high level as I can. But what we have here is a world where things have gone well for a long time. And now shit's starting to go a little bit bad. And so it it has, you know, hey, drink up Star Wars fans. It has some Phantom Menace vibes here, right? Where a little bit of like Roman Greek mm -hmm. mythology to it yes. too. There's like I get that vibe from it as well. Yeah, the empire, the empire either before the fall or trying to prevent the fall. And so those overtones I really liked a lot. I also think there's some cool character designs in here. I believe I pronounced this pray praetors, but the the praetors or the praetors, um, pretty cool looking man. Like I'm I'm all about them, and uh, and I'm also intrigued by the drama that happens between the lead character and the council that I think you referenced before. Um, so that's the stuff I liked, and and I think there's a lot to like here. I think it's a great book to get, you know. Like I I think just it's it's indie comics man you know like that's part of the charm you know and so with that said there are some things that i think going forward that i would reevaluate a little bit and i think one the, the one is you know you mentioned like what roman empire kind of vibes i'm mentioning the phantom menace <clears throat> and the thing about you know, one of the one of the criticisms of Phantom Menace is that the phrasing was too formal. It's that the characters spoke in too formal a way. And so I think on the dialogue level, there was a formality to it that I wonder if 
that could be given up a little bit so that you still get the effect of formal language back and forth because that's definitely the vibe you get here you get a very you know arthurian or you know old world english vibe with how people address each other but i also wonder if you could do more with less there and maybe take some of that out to make it flow a little bit more but also deliver that that feel of old world dialogue without going with too much actual old world dialogue. Um, and then the other thing that I would, you know, take a look at, I think in the issues going forward is the mix of action and exposition, you know, like probably about that there, there is action here. And when the action delivers, it is satisfying, but in the early going, there's a lot of council talking and people talking and, you know, not not action going on behind the talking. So I find that dialogue behind it interesting and and I enjoyed reading it. But I also think that going forward, maybe re, uh, a calibration of action and and non-action if you want to call it that like plot development is something to consider it's it's something i think about all the time with kadoja right it's something um you know that's the book that really comes to my mind when i talk about that but animals that came up too when do i want to talk and when do i want to have a lot of action and what does that mean so those would be probably be my notes going forward that like i think it's i think it's a really cool issue i'm i'm happy to have it and um and i think there's a lot of really great stuff in there but i think going forward those would be the things that i'd look at yeah i think I think moving forward, there will be a lot more action. I don't know that, but I feel like this is a setup issue, you know, where you kind of establish the world. And like you said, it is good world building. And honestly, yeah, I screwed up at the beginning of this. I do also like to talk about what they did well. And that's mm -hmm. something, you know, I actually spoke to Ian uh, via um, like FaceTime, you know, mm -hmm. like initially I was just going through things uh, on the chat and I realized this would go so much faster if I just FaceTimed him and we just did it that way. And that's not something I do. That's mm -hmm. not something, that's not a regular thing that I do. Right. Um, you know, but uh, this was a one-time thing, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, we got a lot of information out, and um, but there was a lot of good. This was a very good, this is my first comic. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought it was really well done. There was a lot to like about it. Um, and it was just like minor things that needed some work. And just things moving forward. I, I don't want to say minor because these are big things. Backgrounds, huge thing. You know, um, uh, learning to use screen tone, not as huge. It's just, okay, that's a tool. You just got to figure it out. And I just got to point this out to you. And once, once I do, you know, learn from it. And that's an easy fix. No problem. Same with backgrounds. It's an easy fix. You just got to commit to doing them and all of that. Um, I would say something else that needed some work was the lettering. You know, it was something we talk about on the pod and, and not everyone listens to every episode. You know, I understand lettering is not exciting to you guys. So maybe <laughs> if you're checking out the episodes and you see this week's topic is lettering, you're just going to skip that episode. You need this to not. This week's topic is doing your taxes. <laughs> How exciting you is that, You guys really should yeah. claim stuff. Um, claim your pencils. You know, did you We're going to go at length into the type of deductions you could take as a comic book artist. <laughs> what do you think? We'll get like one, one lesson that week. <laughs> did you know you could write off DVDs, Blu-rays, video games, <laughs> your Hulu, 
Research. You absolutely can. Research. If you if if you did write off your art, you know, and you write off shows and this and that and printing and everything, I do. You can totally write all that shit off. You buy a toy for yourself because you love toys, you can write that shit off. This, anyway. this started as a joke, but it turned into hashtag knowledge. It is. It is 100% knowledge. Um, another thing that, that needed some work was the lettering. Okay, so we've talked about it in the past, but I will give you a quick refresher. You want to create a diamond pattern in your text. So center justify your line and create some spaces, you know, just like have a couple of words, you know, uh, I am He-Man, right? Okay, that's a very short, short sentence. Let's see. I am He-Man, master, Bader, of all, <laughs> right? Okay, so, yeah. Uh, that, so that's a little first... trickier. I am He-Man, master is probably easier to follow the diamond thing. Right. So if you go... I am He-Man, comma, masturbator of all, period. Okay, I am is on the first line. The second line is He-Man. He-Man is going to be the equivalent length of I am. Your next line could be masturbator. Your last line of all, period. That will create a nice pattern, a diamond pattern for you. Now, you could also I'm, hyphenate master dash bader. Right. If you really had a tight space to work with. I mean, and if you're in a hurry, you always want to dash. So go ahead and type that into Word. <laughs> type that sentence into Word. Type it and into break Google. It down the way we don't that care. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Let them send you marketing based on what you just typed. <laughs> Your algorithm will be fucked up. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you type that into Google, uh, Word and you put the, 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 the hit the return button where I told you, It'll create a nice diamond pattern, mm -hmm. center justified. Yeah. Now, you want to have that with all of your text. And th that was something that was missing here. But, you know, I was able to show him. I typed something up on my iPad and I showed it to him um, to to highlight that. But overall, I would say though those were the key things in creating a better comic for your second time around. Yeah. But overall, like he said, the story was enjoyable. I, yeah. I was just like, okay, cool, right time. on. It, it wasn't a slog. It wasn't so long to get through. There was a lot of dialogue, but it wasn't one of those things where like, oh, God, how much more of this do we have to go? Totally. So the length was good. The story flowed. Um, there was some grammatical stuff. I always catch those things. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, beyond that, you know, make sure, uh, Ian, that you're having someone read this before you send it out. Have someone that was really good at English class. If you can find an editor or a writer, even better have them look it over mm -hmm. and uh, make sure someone's catching those things before you send it out. Um, that is something uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I read my PDF before I send it to the printer at least 10 times mm -hmm. looking for certain things. Every single time I read it, I'm looking for something different. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is all the dialogue right? Okay. Does the dialogue sound good? You know, read it out loud. Does the dialogue sound good? Okay. It sounds good. Okay. How's the punctuation on the next read? Okay. Oh crap. I almost forgot this. I almost forgot that. So there's certain things that you have to do in order to make sure you're not making these small errors, which other people will catch And it. And you know, again, this is indie comics, but we're trying to make professional comics here. So mm -hmm. make sure if you can avoid those errors, do, you know, read, reread, yeah. re start to finish back to forward, forward to back. However, you got to do it. Make sure you're getting that done. Um, and then our second one is from Chance Edgerly. Um, he's asked many a question here on the pod. Yeah. Um, going yeah I mean, he's like single-handedly created three episodes out of thin air, 
Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So he's he's always hitting us up on the Making Comics Podcast at gmail dot com, and he has questions. And uh, hey, we answer them, and like he said, they turn into episodes sometimes. So he sent over the book, Keith. Keith, I'll let you go first. Since I'm going to focus on the writing stuff, let me set up the premise of it, okay? Without giving anything away. And so a couple quick notes here. It's it's a it's a really good comic, man. Like the production values are high. It's got great dialogue to it. It's got a nice back and forth to it. It is, I think it is is a pretty like remarkable accomplishments for accomplishment for someone on their first book. And um, so very high level entry into the world of comics that we have here from Chance Edgerly. The premise of the story without getting, without spoiling anything is that the the bulk of the story is two people having a conversation where the tension escalates throughout the story and then releases itself in a catharsis that is quite dramatic and quite interesting. And that despite its inevitability isn't the easiest thing to see coming, which I thought was pretty cool. That's the main story. There is another story bracketed around the story. So when you first open the comic on page one, there is sort of a buffer story to the story that helps you get in there. And once, you know, maybe this is on the Kickstarter, I'm not sure. But once you read the comic, you'll totally understand what I'm saying. There's like a a, a bit of a bigger story to the story. And then when the comic ends, that bigger story sort of has its counterpart bracket. There's an opening scene, yeah. and then there's the main story. The main story, and then there's a closing scene that brackets the main story. So I, I thought, in general, like, really, really good comic to read. Really high production values, good dialogue, it's propulsive, I wanted to know what happened next, and then it got to the end, right? So those are the things I have that that I enjoyed. And there, those are those are substantial, you know. Again, to use the usual thing of like, it read fast and I wanted more. I did want more, but it's a one shot, which creates a little bit of a problem. Which is uh, which is part of our our criteria that we talk about here on the pod when you're first doing your your books. You know, we highly encourage you guys to do one shot stories for your first story because there can be things that you might need to work on um, in the next comic book that you do. And if you're writing your magnum opus, then it's going to be hard to look at that first issue and go, ah, mm-hmm. man, those were all the things that I was, that I needed to correct and I didn't do them. And, you know, and then you kind of, you're kind of in the place where I am when I'm looking back at my first trade, which was my first comics. It was like my first five comics were, you know, part of one story. So it's mm-hmm. hard to just go, well, I'll scrap that first issue because, it's heavily involved with the rest of the book. So, um, yeah, I think the fact that he did the one shot and I think it was a successful one shot, um, uh, was great. You know, like that's, again, that's, that's what we recommend here at the making comics podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, on a note of Kadoja, like I was too fucking stupid or tone deaf to even acknowledge that, like I was going to do anything less than five issues and just keep going. So I was like, fuck it. We're going YOLO. Right. Like that's basically, I, I had no clue. I didn't know that was a rule, you know, like I didn't know people encouraged you to try smaller stories first before you jump into this larger thing, you know, and it's like, if I had that advice, I would have taken it, you know, and, and, 
um, you know, it, it's it's all a learning curve, you know. So I'm I, I don't think I would have, but at least I would have gone in with eyes open, and that's okay. That's something we encourage you guys to. Hey, we, we can tell you something, but as long as you go in with eyes open, knowing that like this is what you're going to sign up for, and it's a it's a bit ambitious. Nothing wrong with that. Um, so in True. in terms of stuff that maybe made me pause a little bit on the third reread. Or second oh, read three times on, on the third time through on the third time through. I mean, the second time through, I had a hunch, but it really got clarified on the third time. The main story, you know, so I think this is 28 pages. I would say 25 of them are this main story minimum. There is a without giving anything away, there's a bit of a power imbalance in terms of the two people that are having this very tense back and forth. And the one thing I questioned was, why why is the person who has so much more power laying everything they have on the line for this person with much less power? And I think I know the answer, but I wasn't clear on the answer, and that's why I would sort of go into it here. Um, I have a couple of notes. I don't have a lot of notes on this one. Um, Chance was not the artist on this. He was the writer. And so the artist that he hired, in my opinion, is very competent and um, seemed to know what he was doing. Very good storytelling. I thought the intro scene was very well done. Uh, it felt very cinematic. I understood everything that was going on. Very strong storytelling. Um, I just had made uh, <clears throat> my main issues actually had to do with um, letter clarity and logo clarity. So the book is called Eye for an Eye. And he did this thing where the second I is flipped. Um, so the E's and the Y are flipped the other direction, right? To mirror the first I, I for an I, right? <clears throat> so, which is fine. But the real issue is there was a, a blood, like a blood stain or um, like slash through the word. And I understand what he's going for. Like the blood slash is supposed to act as the center part of the E. These are capitalized E's. But the issue was the blood strip was too thin. So like if you're just looking at the lettering as, as lettering, you're not looking for this graphic design element, which, which I wasn't. Um, my brain was like, okay, what's the title of this? And when I looked at the graphic design element, I was like, oh, there's blood across the front. But what is this supposed to say? At first glance, it looked it almost looked Russian because the word I was backwards and the center E was not there. So like that that little strip in the middle of the, the E was not there because the blood was the bloodline was thin and the lettering on the top and the bottom of the E were thicker. So even if you created this, you, you type this out. E Y E, and then you threw the blood on top of it. Let's say this was a physical object, and then you threw blood a blood strip across it. Some of that middle part of the E would have shown up, mm -hmm. and it wasn't there. So my brain was trying to read the logo with the with like eliminating the blood altogether. Mm -hmm. So it looked like C Y C or something like that, mm -hmm. and so it was a little confusing. Now I think I think the quick and easy fix on this is put the blood behind it 
have it go ahead go ahead and thicken that blood up and have the strip going behind the whole logo and it'll it'll create the same effect that you're going for like I understand like he's trying to use the blood as the center part, but it's really just not working. Mm-hmm. Um, I sh- Maybe I should have shown you this before talking about this, um, but that was one of my major concerns. And then the very first page is kind of like a blacked out version of the real first page of the story. It's like the same exact image. It's the side of a building and it has these two panels. And the logo is vanishing down the side of the building in perspective but half of the logo is cut off by those two panels. So you can't read it. So it looked like, I don't know, a backward seven, a V and a backward seven, mm-hmm. you know, then you get four in seven, I seven. So it's really confusing when you're looking at it again, like a couple of things. I backed the Kickstarter. So I knew the name of the book and I got sent the PDF. So I knew the name of the book. But if I didn't have those things, I would not know that. Just Mm -hmm. like lettering and logos, they have to be clear. Like you have to be clear with what you're reading, what you're looking at. And if you're running into those problems, like I'm running into those problems, I know what this book is called. So so that's a bit of an issue. Um, And then the other the other thing, it was punctuation stuff. It was like, okay, you need a comma here. You need a comma there. That type of thing, you know, have a period maybe, you know. But so it was just overall very small things. Um, Again, on the art side of it, I found the artist to be very confident or confident and competent. Um, And he did use some. I believed he used some photo manipulation on some of the backgrounds. Like, I think, you know, there's like a scene that has a diner um, in it. And it looks like it's potentially a photo and they had done something in Photoshop and tweaked it and stuff. And I don't find that to be an issue for this particular artist. Like, I think it works pretty well. So that's that's not a problem for me. So if you can get away with it, then do it. You know, that's like what we say here on the pod. So um, overall, I really enjoyed the story. I liked that it wasn't so dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. Even though it was two people having a conversation, it was a, re- a, a rather breezy read. I yeah. really enjoyed the issue. And um, so I was happy that I actually read it. You know, like, like look, are we going to read every single person's comic book that they send in to us? Probably not. You know, it's it's hard enough, like, you and I both get pulls every week. Mm-hmm. And it's hard enough for me to read those, let alone everyone that's sending books to us. But these two particular creators, these are people that maintain contact with us on social media, yeah, you know, via time. email, mm-hmm. all the time, right? They back our projects. So, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, like, these are the types of people that I wouldn't mind reading their book and seeing how they're progressing. And honestly, we talked about that in the beginning of the year. It's just like, Hey, we made a a schedule for ourselves. We made ourselves, made ourselves calendars. What are you guys doing? What's your schedule looking like? Mm -hmm. And these, these creators actually shared their schedule with us. Mm -hmm. So we know that they're staying on pace and they're working their projects out. And, uh, you know, that's really cool. So why would we not talk about them on the air? From the art standpoint, I think uh, it was very well done, and I enjoyed all of that. And honestly, from the writing standpoint, I enjoyed the story. I really liked the ending. Um, there was one point in the story where I thought, hey, this this character is it's kind of like a gross overreaction to, to the scene, what's going on. It felt really abrupt. Um, but by the end of the story, I understood exactly why they were acting that way. And so it was going to be a note, and I no longer had that note by the end. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, okay, never mind. I understand. 
you know, and, and so I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there was, you know, going to the ending, there was something there where I was like, maybe it could have used a little more, but I wouldn't know what that would be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it, it has this, you know, there was an abruptness to it, but it also felt right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so, so it's, it's kind of weird. It's like, I enjoyed it. I think there could have been a little something there, but also I was still into it. You know, mm -hmm. it felt, it felt earned still by the end of it. So yeah. Rock on. All right, man. So I think that's it. I think we, we made our way through some books and hopefully delivered enough stuff to where people out there that were not the two creators that we were talking about can glean some information that can, uh, that can make all your stuff better. Right. Cause Look, we, we read this stuff and it helps make our stuff better. So hopefully us talking about it is going to help you along uh, that your road as well. Because again, everybody everybody is always trying to improve with their next book at any level of success. That is the truth. Um, so yeah, man, I guess I don't really have much bullshit or any. I think we're good to go, right? Yeah, no, I don't have anything this episode, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to have something next episode. Rock on. Well, let's roll on then. <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. I am posting photos, quotes, and of course, all kinds of like work in progress and finished interiors and things from all the books that I am working on. And you can find my books and uh, and some info at KeithRFoster.com that has a page um, on pages on all the books I do, which is Kadoja, Giant Monsters Meet H.P. Lovecraft, Three Protectors Kung Fu in Space, and Animals, which is animals get infected by a virus that makes them want to murder people. And if you're interested in those books, you can go to my web store, you can order those things, and we will get them shipped direct to you. So that's KeithRFoster.com. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, -T -T on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. You can find my books, Second Shift, uh, Minimum Wage Superheroes, and Wanderers of Melisande, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans, at AccidentalAliens.com. We also have anthology series available there. Um... And uh, Accidental Alien Anthology 2018, 19, I believe um, 2023 should be on there by now. If it is not, it'll be up shortly. I am not in that one. Um, and Tales from the Mothership, I am in that one. So uh, you can get those all at accidentalaliens.com. Anthologies are hot right now, so uh, give those a look while they're still in stock. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, Scott and I. <laughs> this this is the kind of thing where like you can only talk to us in person for this but we've been getting delightfully weird in our personal time and we've talked about things like pyramids uh, vimanas in ancient indian folklore um, stone discs in the mountains of china that turned out to have coded messages about like an ancient nuclear weapon and that's just part of the fun and we're not even drinking. Maybe we are. I can't remember. But what's super... <laughs> of course you can't remember. You're on like 12.9%. <laughs> yeah. Why, why could I remember fucking anything right now? But what, I, but what I can remember is that when you compare all those artifacts and look at the ancient civilizations through time, they all have one thing in common. They all predicted in their native language, including cuneiform, to give the Making Comics podcast five stars. It's in the documents. There are these, look, guys, 
There are stone fucking discs under mountains in China from 4,000 years ago where ancient civilizations are telling you that you need to give the Making Comics podcast five stars, okay? They didn't have that opportunity. There was no internet. There's an internet now. Do it. Five stars, words, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, mic drop. Hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. What's the weirdest thing that you believe that would be considered weird as hell? Let us know. Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah. And hey, with that, I have definitely queued up the music by now, and we are rolling on out. So you know the deal, uh, and we will see you next week. Yay, yay. Yeah, yeah.